Matthew chapter 25, and let's start verse 1. Let us stand. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at the midnight cry, at the midnight hour, there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said unto the wise, Give us your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you, but go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, while they went to the world, while they looked at the world, while they were enjoying the world, while they went to buy, the bridegroom come. He came and they were ready, went in with him and in the marriage and the door was shut. Afterward came I also the other virgins saying, Lord, Lord, open up, open up to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, you know you not. Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Let us pray. Father, we come before you this morning, Lord. Heavy hardened, burdened hardened with the thoughts, Lord, uh, of your soon return. And Father, we just ask you to help us to understand, help us to see the signs, help us to recognize what you're trying to tell us in this world today. And Father, we'll praise you in all things. Empty him himself and fill me thy spirit. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. You may be seated. I, I like that verse 6, and I underline it. At the midnight, there was a cry. If you want to see some interesting things that happened at midnight, it was at midnight that the blood was applied to the doors in Egypt. And God emancipated his people out of the Egyptian bondage. It was at midnight uh, in the dungeon, that uh, the inner prison that Paul and Silas uh, uh, rocked the jail and, and their prayers and their praises uh, was set free there. And it was at the midnight hour, a man went into his friend on behalf of another friend uh, and got fresh bread in the midnight hour. I'm glad God is good in the morning. I'm glad God is good at noon. I'm glad God is good in the evening. Uh, but even if still God is good at the midnight hour. Now, I, don't get me wrong. I do not believe this is teaching us that uh, the return of the Lord is going to be at the midnight hour. Because the Bible said down in verse 3, No man know the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man come. And when you read Matthew, the book of Matthew, and you study the book of Matthew, there are three large sermons. They're called discourses. And the first discourse is the Sermon on the Mount, as you and I know it, or the Beatitudes in chapters 5, 6, and 7. And the second large discord of the sermon is in Matthew chapter 13, and it deals with the, uh, uh, the kingdom of heaven. 
And, and then when we get to chapters 24 and 25 here, it's called the Olivet Discord. This is where Jesus, uh, the master teacher, is taking these two chapters here and, and dealing with the things of the last days. The signs, the sins, the sorrows, and the suddenness of the soon return of the God's Son, Lord Jesus Christ. Here in Matthew chapter 25, I believe the first 13 verses in my mind is the prince of all the parables. Now don't get me wrong. I love the parables of Jesus Christ. Uh, the lost sheep, the lost corn, the lost uh, son, and the pearls at a great price. But I believe out of all those uh, 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 parables, I believe this one is the prince of parables. It stands out to me. The parable of the midnight cry, you could call it. So what is a parable? A parable is an earthly story that has a heavenly meaning. The parable of the ten virgins or the midnight cry, as I like to call it, we find the illustration of the second coming of Christ here. And when we find some instruction that gives us concerning the second coming, we soon the return of the Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 24 and chapter 25 are literally answers to questions that the disciples came to Jesus and said, what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world? It's two questions they asked. And Jesus, when he knows that he thinks that uh, things are complete, they asked him, uh, uh, Jesus takes these two chapters and talks about the signs and sorrows and the suddenness of the return of Jesus Christ. So let me remind you this. That we're here to hear the trump. Jesus Christ said one day very soon. One day we're going to hear that trump. We will physically, literally, and bodily return. He's going to return to this planet again and receive us. He's going to carry the saints away to a land that's fairer than day. In the light of that, I want to magnify the words of John and John the uh, writing in the book, last book of the. Uh, Bible, the Revelations, the last chapter of Revelations, uh, it said, Amen, even so, come Lord Jesus. And that means just hurry up. I can't wait. I can't wait. Because I'm telling you, the only thing that's going to fix the problem that we're in, the only thing that's going to help the problem that we're in, the bewilderment, the, the brokenhearted, uh, uh, this world that we live in, is the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The world is not our home, the song says. Uh, we're just passing through. Uh, we're heading to heaven. Uh, and this could be the very day and this very moment at that trump sound this morning I want you to see some three things about this marriage supper 
that deals with the coming of Christ and, and we should have our mindset about it. I, I want you to see and understand there were some ready and there were some not. And I'm afraid that we're sitting in a time and in churches today that some are ready and some are not. This world has looked around and seen the great pleasures they can find in this world and it's starting to creep into the church and we see that churches are starting to do away with the word of God. They've taken the word of God and they threw it aside and says, let's give me a word of man, let man and me do what man says. But God said, hey, there's coming a day, there's gonna be a sound, there's something's gonna change. You're gonna get up one morning, it's not gonna feel the same. I tell you what, I got up this morning I felt pretty good I said Lord what's going on I don't have any aches or pains Lord is the, the day is the day I'm getting ready I got to look and I walked out on my front porch and I looked up and said I'm ready I'm ready Boy, when I go, I want to be feeling so good. I don't want to be laid up in a hospital and hurting and in pain and suffering. I want to be feeling like I am so when I get that, I can have woo, a great time. Some were ready and some were not. Look at this in verse 6 again. Look at the blessed, this time that was blessed. At the midnight, according to verse number six, this event unfolds for them at the hour of midnight. That is why it's called the midnight cry. And at the midnight a cry was made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. This event is in this text, literally happens when the hands are straight up at 12 o'clock. But let me emphasize again this morning that this does nowhere in the Bible teaches that the second coming of the Son of God is coming at midnight hour. He can come with the hands at 5 o'clock. He can come with the hands at 6 o'clock. He can come with the hands at 3 o'clock. It doesn't matter what time he comes. You just need to be ready. I got to think, what does 12 o'clock represent? What does 12 o'clock midnight represents to you and I? Twelve o'clock represents the ending, the closing of one day and the beginning of a new day. Is anybody over here that's had a rotten, fouled, messed up, bewildering day? And when you got down and laid down in your beds, thank God it is over. 
Amen. And looking for that next uh, time that you rise up in the morning and having that fresh start, uh, a fresh look, uh, it starts all over. Everything becomes new. That's what midnight means. Uh, it means something that's old, uh, something that's hurting, uh, something that's painful is now gone away and now there's something new as that's coming ahead of us. Amen. It means something, a new beginning in our lives means something's great that's awaiting us you know where I believe that we are where we at on God's prophetic time clock I, I believe we're at the midnight hour I believe we're there I believe we're on the threshold of saying bye-bye to a bunch of stuff that is hurtful, that is painful, that's unexplainable. And hello and welcome to a glorious new world. A new day, a new level, a new worship to a new heaven, the Bible says, And can I tell you that you've got something great to look forward to. That's what God is saying. Something's passed away and something new. And look, don't give up now. Hold on, child. Don't give up. Don't be discouraged. Don't be afraid because we're on a threshold of something ending of an old day and on the threshold of when God Almighty will say, come home. He'll make all things new for you and I. Remember midnight in the book of Exodus when he put the blood on the doors. They were about to say goodbye to all the heartaches of Egypt and hello to the land of Canaan. They were saying goodbye to all the heartaches and, and pain and suffering of Egypt. Hello to the land of Canaan where the milk and honey flows. In Acts 16, Paul and Silas at midnight, they were about to say goodbye to the persecution, the beating they had taken. All they encountered for the cause of Christ and they were about to say hello to joy and peace. Revival where God manifests His presence in their lives. And here in the text at the midnight cry, and there was the, those that belonged to the bridegroom. There, anybody here this morning belongs to the bridegroom this morning. You're born again, washed by the blood. Uh, you belong to the bridegroom. Uh, to those that belong to the bridegroom, you have walked through the valley. You have climbed your mountain. You have carried your burdens. Uh, and and you, you fought your battles. Uh, and you're about to say uh, uh, goodbye to that. Uh, you're about to say goodbye to the heartaches. Uh, goodbye to the tears. Uh, goodbye to cancer, goodbye to heart attacks. He's getting ready to say goodbye to that and about to say hello and new heavens and a new earth and a new Jerusalem. Hello, no more separation, no more parting, no more death, no more tears. Hello, Jesus. 
I'm ready. I'm ready. I, I love John 14. I love that. Gives you the anticipation. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare. He's gone. <laughs> Anticipating. He says, I go to prepare a place. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you into myself that where I am, there you may also be. There's the anticipating of that day, that hour, that blessed event. You say, what does that have to do with me on a Sunday morning in 2020? Well, let me just say this, we're on a threshold of saying goodbye to cancer, goodbye to heart attacks, goodbye to trials, goodbye to broken hearts. <laughs> oh, Lord. Mm. Goodbye to those who are discouragement, disappointments. Uh, goodbye to a world that wants to reject Christ. Uh, goodbye. We're, good, we're on the verge of saying goodbye. Goodbye. We're on the verge of hearing Welcome in, thou good and faithful servant. Come home. Come home. I, I was in West Virginia years ago in a church up there. And, uh, me and the elder preacher of the church I was in in Florida went with me. In fact, he went ahead of me. He didn't even know I was coming. And I, I just drove up there to surprise him. He was sitting on the front. It was a large church. He was sitting on the front row. And when I walked in the door, the preacher saw me. And I went, he said, okay. So I sat down in the middle. And about that time, he said, well, let's just go ahead and pray. He said, Brother Woods, would you pray for us? I stood up, and when I did, that old preacher turned around. He just got the beaming and leaming. He says, oh, my. So I prayed. I went down there with him. We were sitting and talking. We got to preaching, and we just got to jumping up preaching. I mean, it was just going on. We've been there, and I had to be back in Eden at, night, at 6 o'clock because I was preaching in the church in Eden at 6 o'clock. They laid out a spread. Fried chicken, roast gravy, biscuits, cornbread, hoe cakes. Anybody know what a hoe cake is? I wish you just had some woo, mashed potatoes. And I mean, just it was everything going. And I was sitting there, and they were just bringing it to me left and right. I done ate so much, I had to take and loose my belt. And I was, as I, I can't have no more. And the lady come around and says, You finished? I said, Yes, ma'am, I'm done. I can't eat no more. She went to put my plate, and I went to put my fork on. She said, Oh, no. Keep your fork. She said, we got dessert. I said, ma'am, I, I, I just cannot have dessert. She said, we got banana pudding. <laughs> I said, I'll keep my fork. I'll keep my fork. 
Oh, I ate so much I had to cry all the way home. I cried. But let me tell you what, child of God. Keep your fork. The best is yet to come. This is all we're going through now. But let me tell you, there is dessert coming for you and I. Keep your fork. Amen. Praise God. There is this marriage supper that's going on. Bible says, let us not be weary in well-doing for the due season. We shall reap if we faint not. For those have walked by the graveside and those that stood in the hospitals and those felt like the devil has ran them over. Hey, it's midnight. The day is old. And it's about to pass. We're on the breaking of a new day. For the Lord himself, the Bible says, shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. What a blessed time. Midnight. I'm so glad the Bible says weeping may endure for the night, but joy cometh in the morning. Blessed time at midnight is. I want you to see this beautiful truth that's here in this passage this morning. Remember the parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Jesus tells this story of this Jewish wedding here. It deals with the procurement of the bride. It deals with the payment of the bride, the possession of the bride and the place of the bride. I'm so glad I lived today instead of back in that day. Man, you might agree with me now that what I'm about to say. Back in those days, if you wanted a wife, you had to go to the father and pay him. If you wanted that woman to be your wife, you had to take a lot of money and go to the father and say, Him, if we had to do that today, marriage wouldn't be a thing. Marriage would not be, it wouldn't be heard of. They had to buy. And what they did, get this, what they did, they would say, I, I want to marry that woman. And, and they brought that money. And the father said, yeah, he buys this. He puts a down payment on her. And what happens is now she's betrothed to him, but she has to stay with her father. Now that the man has put the money and bought the money, now he goes back to his father. Y'all got to get this. Put a down payment. Put a down payment. Then he's got to go back to the father's house. And while he's at the father's house, he's got to prepare a chamber, a room, a palace, or a mansion, praise God. And while he's working on that, and while he's working on that, she 
she's still over here. She's still going through the trials of day. She still has to face the trials of day. Hey, but he's over here. He's building on that mansion. He's working on that room, that chamber. But there's going to come a day. And what it is, it says that there's going to be a shout, a trumpet. And what it says is, hey, I'm coming to get my bride. Mm, praise God. There's going to be a trumpet. And when he gets there, he takes that bride. Oh, praise God. And then he takes it. When he gets his bride, there's another shout. And they head to the father's house. They go to the father's house. When they get to the father's house, there is, mm, there is a meal spread out. It's called a marriage supper. Praise God. It's called a marriage supper. And they sit there and eat and feel and rejoice because now the bridegroom has come and got the groom, his bride. And now they're joined together at the Father's house. They go through the Father's house to the house that is built. Amen. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Isn't that a beautiful picture of what Christ has done for us? Christ went across the Calvary. He put a down payment on you and I. He said, hey, if I go, I go to prepare a place. He went to prepare a place. He's still working on that place. But he said, I'm almost finished with it. I'm almost done with it. I'm about ready to drive the last nail. I'm about ready to finish the last little details of it. I'm about finished with it. And when I get finished with it, there's going to be a trump that sounds. It's going to let the world know I'm coming to get my bride and those that have the oil are the only ones. The only ones. What a beautiful picture that Jesus is telling them. Hey, you've asked the signs of the times and what shall be the end of the world. He gives them this. It's a beautiful picture. What Jesus did for you and I 2,000 years ago. These virgins are waiting on the spouse to come. That's why they got their lamps. That's why they got their lights, because it's getting dark. Right before he comes, notice there was a division. It said ten, but five were wise and five were foolish. Now, I don't know if y'all are Bible students or not. I don't know if you've really, really gotten into the Bible and studied the Bible. I can only find one difference. One difference between the five and the foolish. They both, they all had lamps. The Bible said, ten virgins, ten lamps. They all trimmed their lamps. They came. When they came, they had light. It light their way. The only thing, difference that I can see between the five foolish and the five wise was the oil. The oil. What do you mean oil? Well, in the Bible, the oil represents what? The Holy Spirit. 
represents the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so there was five that was wise, uh, that had oil, that was filled with the Spirit of God. There was five foolish. Uh, This is why I'm saying we got problems in our churches today. We see people sit around and they say they're a child of God. They act like a child of God. They walk like a child of God. They dress like a child of God. They carry a Bible like a child of God. But let me just say this. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, if something ain't down inside of you, if something ain't stirring up inside of you, you're going to be the foolish left behind. Oh, but God, I went to church. Oh, but God, I read the Bible. But you didn't have the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit. There are a lot of Christians today sitting in churches today that fit the foolish. The foolish. The Bible says, I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Thou anointest my head with oil. Romans 8 and 9 says, He hath not the Spirit of Christ is none of His. None of His. The Holy Spirit convicts us. It points us to Jesus. Therefore the Spirit bear witness with His Spirit, our Spirit. That I belong to Him. I love it when my family... And friends tell me everything's going to be all right. I, I love it when I'm going through things and they say everything's going to be all right. But in the midnight hour when nobody's there with me, when I'm there by myself and nobody's standing beside me, the Holy Spirit comes by and says, everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. What a beautiful truth. But there is also a tragedy. A tragedy. Those that did not have the oil were shut out. You say, what does that mean? I've, I've been asked on many occasions... Do you really know who's going to heaven and who ain't? I say, I certainly can. I know exactly who's going to heaven who ain't. Well, who's going to heaven and who ain't? Those that have the Spirit of God, those that have not the Spirit of God are going to heaven. Them that are saved with the Holy Spirit that dwells in them, they're going. Those have never been saved, and there's no Holy Spirit, those are going to be shut out. The door is going to be shut. I love this. Jesus said, I'll open the door, and no man shut it. No man can shut it. I, I believe that. I believe that. But I also believe when he says, when I shut a door, no man can open it. Just like on Noah's heart, when God said, come, come thou in. 
Noah didn't shut the door. Noah and his family didn't shut the door. God shut the door. And there were those on the outside begging to get on the inside. The water was rising and getting higher and higher. And they kept knocking and begging and pleading, let me in, let me in. No. You were told. You were told. The five foolish came without oil. And they couldn't get. I remember back in science class. That's hard for me to do. Remember back something only a couple of years ago. We studied the field of magnetic. And what the teacher did, y'all might have seen this. I don't know. Y'all ain't as old as some of the people in here. What the teacher did, she took some pins, straight pins, and put them on one side, and took some toothpicks and put them on one side. Then she took this great big magnet. And she says, well, I'm going to show you the, the law of magnetics. I said, I ain't stupid. I ain't stupid. As far as I knew, but she thought I was. She put that magnet over them straight pins and all of them went right up to it. And kids back in the day, Cleaned off. She said, Now watch this. She put it over on her toothpicks. They look like a Baptist church member in a Baptist church on a Sunday morning. No movement whatsoever. She said, You know what? Do you know the reason why that happens? Well, I'm thinking magnet draws metal and the magnet don't draw wood. <laughs> She says, no, but she explained it to me, and I've never gotten this. She says, there's something inside of those straight pins that's got hooked up with something inside this magnet, and it makes them want to draw them together. Let me just say this. If you're born again, washed by the blood, there's something inside of you that draws you that way, that points you that way, and the and the death. And the day the great magnet steps out on the cloud, it's going to draw all those, all those, all those that has a spirit that's been connected with him. And let me tell you what, there's going to be some people standing down here and they're going to watch them leave up. Why not me? Because you're not connected. You haven't been connected. Ain't been connected. The tragedy. When the bridegroom, the trumpet sound, the bridegroom cometh. Something in him that draws us towards him. It's that indwelling Holy Spirit. And we'll drop this robe of flesh. And we'll seize that everlasting prize. Farewell, world. Goodbye to sin. Goodbye to death. Goodbye to separation. Goodbye to heartache. Hello, sweet Jesus. 
Are you ready this morning? Are you trimming your lamps this morning? Are you listening this morning? Are you watching and waiting? Do you have your oil with you this morning? Let us stand this morning.